0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for April 11th, 2021, the second Sunday of Easter. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin Crisp. It's based on 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 2. Many of you likely saw reports in the last few weeks of a new Gallup study that says fewer of half, fewer than half of Americans belong to a church synagogue or mosque. That's some 47 percent of Americans. That's down more than 20 points from 20 years ago. Now the study notes that the change is primarily due to a continued rise in Americans who have no religious preference, the so-called nuns about whom we've been uh, speaking and studying for some time. But I was especially interested actually in this line from the Gallup write-up. It said, Most of the rest of the drop can be attributed to a decline in formal church membership among Americans who do have a religious preference. Between 1998 and 2000, an average of 73% of religious Americans belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. Over the past three years, the average has fallen to 60%, not an insignificant drop. This leaves us with the odd combination of America being an incredibly religious society. Some, something like more than seven in ten Americans actually claim a religious identity of some kind. But less than half of Americans actually belong to a religious community. Now, I have some ideas, as you might expect, about why this is the case on the church's side. Ways in which churches have been poor custodians of the mystery given over to us. The telling and teaching of the story of Jesus in ways that change people's lives. Or the ways in which churches have lost credibility in contemporary American society. By insisting, for example, on there being a necessary conflict between science and religion. A battle which was never destined to go in religion's favor. Or by proving poor guardians of the least of these among us, particularly children. Or by hesitating to affirm the obvious good of things like faithful love between people of the same sex, and so on. I think there are lots of reasons why the church cannot speak credibly about the truth in contemporary America. But I, I wonder, too, whether, particularly in the case of those 13% of religious Americans who belong to a church or a community 20 years ago but no longer do, whether there's some explanation in a kind of inarticulacy, A kind of failure of nerve about why Christians go to church at all, about why we ought to belong to a Christian community at all, as opposed to a country club or the Rotary or even Peloton. Now don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Peloton and Peloton does for me some things which St. Mark's Episcopal Church is simply not going to do, but it's not the same thing. The fact is the church Not in some abstract sense, okay? I'm not talking about an institution, okay? I'm talking about you all. I'm talking about you, those of us gathered in this space and who are convening for worship wherever you are in the world. All of us, that's the church. And we are here, physically or virtually, because... We've committed ourselves to the love and the care of this community, that is, to one another. The church exists, all of this exists, that commitment exists in order to facilitate our relationship with God. That is, to make it more possible and more palpable than it would be otherwise if we weren't so committed. Because it is hard to have a relationship with something you cannot see. I think we often assume that believing in God is easier or more straightforward than it sounds. As though we believe in God the way we believe that tomorrow will be Monday, or the Marlins beat the Mets yesterday, or there's such a thing as the law of gravity. The experience of God is a curious thing, and believing in God is even curiouser. It's rather like believing in your senses, trusting that what you see in front of you is really there. There's no real logical argument to be had about that, if you think about it. There's no list of premises that, when laid out, could convince you finally that, yes, this pulpit really is right here in the room and not, an, not a figment of your imagination if you somehow doubted it before. It's more like you either trust your senses or you don't, really. You sort of go around believing and trusting in the real existence of pulpits and fancy clothes and people and microphones and computers and you find so believing to be a practicable useful way of going about in the world confirmed by those moments when you when you uh, bang your elbow on the corner of a podium or a pulpit or your eardrums get blasted by feedback over speakers or whatever believing in God is actually even odder than that even odder than trusting your senses because God is invisible so to speak because God transcends this world absolutely It's not a part of this world technically but is rather that without which there would be no world at all and so God is unavailable to our senses as such God is not the kind of thing which we can ordinarily go around seeing, touching, tasting, smelling, etc. God is invisible. Now, I don't mean to say that we don't experience God. Certainly, we do. But the experience is not as straightforward as that of seeing a a pulpit or me or listening to me talk. It's more like realizing that someone is in love with you. Now think about that, what kind of knowledge is that? That is a kind of knowledge, right? But how did it come about exactly? Not just you knowing that you were in love with somebody, but that someone else was in love with you. Or it's rather like being all stricken by a grand piece of music, which moves you in a way that you cannot quite describe or explain. Believing in God, finding the idea of God credible, believable, is gratuitous and personal it's hard to describe experiences of God are incapable of being exhaustively explained by this worldly things or phenomena the experience of God is easy to miss and easy to misinterpret or misunderstand some people wait all their lives for such An experience of the invisible God and some never have them at all and the Bible is a record of the accumulation of these experiences by a great many people over a very long period of time to say the least an accumulation of these experiences a record of them through which in the reading of it a great many people again over a very long period of time have Consistently heard God's voice and wisdom and experienced God's grace, guidance, and forgiveness is the retelling of experiences of God that in the retelling of them, people have experienced God too. That's what the Bible is. And for Christians, this record, the Bible, culminates in the story of Jesus, a first-century man who was also God thus solving the problem of God's invisibility. At least for the people who met him, right? People like the authors of the texts that we read this morning, or at least the people about whom the texts were written. People who could hear him as you hear me. People who could feel him as you feel the, the chair underneath of you. People who presumably could smell him, although I won't say anything more about that. People who could experience him through their senses. No one has ever seen God, says the prologue to the Gospel of St. John. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. In the same community out of which the Gospel of John emerged toward the end of the first century, the beginning of the second also wrote this from the epistle lesson assigned for this morning, which Rick read for us so well a moment ago. The epistle of uh, the, the so-called first letter of John. It's the same community here that's now writing to you this morning. And they said, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and Truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ These early followers of Jesus These first century Christians are writing to you That's why they wrote the letter They're writing to you to tell you of what they have experienced in the flesh. Not just so that you can believe that Jesus existed like you believe John Lennon existed, but so that you can know Jesus. You can have fellowship with Jesus and you can actually have fellowship with them. Just as we know and have fellowship with one another. That's why they wrote it down. That's what they're saying to you this morning. The church is something like a miracle suspended in time. A community that's been keeping faith with one another over 2,000 years. Not just by reminding one another of how Jesus has showed up in the past, or how Jesus is showing up in the present, but by sharing a story, and by breaking bread, as we will here in a moment, and washing in water, as we do at baptism, in ways in which Christians have reliably met Jesus and gotten to know him over the course of that same 2,000 years. We are here this morning, or streaming this morning, because this is where we experience not just one another, but God. God in and through one another and one another's actions. Our reading and playing of instruments and praying and breaking and eating. The church exists, I think, because God knew that for creatures like us, creatures of sense, creatures who taste, touch, smell, and so on, We would need sensual things in order to cultivate a relationship with him over the long haul of a life. We would need to be able to see God in things we could reliably touch. We would need to be able to hear God in stories we could reliably read. We would need to meet God in people we could reliably see. We would need them to know him as he is revealed In Jesus, and most preciously, I think, to know the truth of his forgiveness and love. That's why God has a church, and that's why we go. If you have seen him here, or anywhere else for that matter, I pray you would do as the disciples did and share him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.